Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. I made sure that they would be everything you'd ever want in a sheet set. I started with the world's finest cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all meet. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. They come with extra wide pillowcases to fit over any pillow and extra deep pockets to fit over any mattress. Not only that, they come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. I personally guarantee that they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials for the buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All you got to do, Renegade Nation, is enter the promo code RENEGADE or call 1-800-889-6817 for these great specials. That's 1-800-889-6817. Use the promo code RENEGADE. Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be favorite drink and prepare to be transported to today's dark enigma. And on today's dark enigma, we're jumping right back into all the strangeness now that Halloween is out of the way. And since we just passed Dia de los Muertos, well... I think you kind of know where I'm going with today's episode. (laughs) With that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation, as always, is yours, my darlings. So choose your poison accordingly. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say dead or zombie that's gonna be a single shot and every time I say funeral that's gonna be a double shot now that we have the business end out of the way we can jump head first into today's dark enigma so grab your best sheriff's hat and horse that's right I'm bringing back OG Rick from the walking dead but hang on for today's episode and strange cases of people who rose from the dead. (laughs) It's said that death is the final frontier, the last barrier through which we all must pass with absolute finality, never to emerge again into the world of the living. It's considered to be a fact that when we die, that's it. It's forever. There's no coming back at least not into the reality as we know it. Yet, as final as this inexorable last black curtain of death may seem, there are those who have managed to somehow escape it and claw their way back to reality. These are people who have been embraced by death, but ended up prying its cold fingers from them to come floating back to life and showing us that sometimes that last mysterious veil between worlds that awaits us all is not always as clear 
and well-defined as we might like to think it is. Some of the most dramatic stories of people returning from the dead have to do with those who seem to be none other than real-life zombies. Many such accounts come from the Caribbean nation of Haiti, where there has long been belief in the reanimation of corpses through the magic of powerful witch doctors or sorcerers known as Bokar. By far the most well-known case of such a zombie is that of a man named Clarvius Narcisse. It began with his being declared dead on May the 2nd, 1962, at the Albert Schweitzer Hospital in Deschapelles in southern Haiti, after suffering from an unknown affliction. He was subsequently given a funeral and burial, and that would be the end of it, until a full 18 years later, when Narcissus' sister found him aimlessly wandering about at a marketplace, seemingly in a dazed state somewhere between life and death. The shocked and amazed sister confronted him, and Narcisse had a very strange tale to tell indeed. He claimed that he had been put under the spell of a bukhar, and that it was this sinister, dark magic that had killed him and then later brought him back to life. According to him, after he had been buried, the Bokar had come to dig him up and then force him into slavery, doing menial labor on a plantation, with alleged zombies being used as labor apparently not particularly uncommon in Haiti, by the way. After two years of mindlessly toiling away on this plantation, he finally managed to escape, after which he wandered aimlessly around the countryside as memories of his former life slowly crept back to him. He eventually found himself in the marketplace and run into his sister by sheer chance. When asked why he had not come back sooner, he explained that he had been sure that his brother was the one responsible for hiring the Bukhar to zombify him, and that he had been afraid to come home until his brother had passed away. Such accounts from Haiti as well, that seemed to be remarkably similar to that of Narcisse. In 1996, a 30-year-old woman died from a serious illness and was buried in a family tomb next to her home. Three years later, the dead woman was found by a family friend walking about in a trance-like daze near the village. The woman was mute and uncoordinated, reportedly unable to even feed herself, and did not seem to have any memory of who she was. When the tomb was opened, it was found to contain a pile of stones where the woman's body had once been. The family suspected that her husband had had her turned into a zombie after suspecting her of being unfaithful, and she was left to the care of a psychiatric hospital in Port-au-Prince, and it's unclear to what happened to her after that. Then we have another strange case 
of a 26-year-old man known simply as W.D. He was the son of a policeman, and at the age of 18, he came down with a mysterious sickness that gave him a fever, turned his eyes yellow, caused intense swelling of the body, and made him smell like death. Well, that sounds like somebody I've dated before. Anyways, no one could figure out what the strange sickness was, and the family began to suspect that he was the target of black magic spun by a bakar. They sought the advice of a witch doctor to help them fight the curse, but W.D. died a few days later of his affliction and was buried. W.D.'s father would then recognize his son 19 months later at, of all things, a cockfight. And it's unclear what he had been up to during those 19 months in his zombified state, but it was highly suspected that the young man's uncle was the one responsible for having him turned into a zombie. Okay, I'm going to pause for a second and just say, what kind of freaking families are these? Where, you know, husband and brother and, like, uncle turning you into a zombie? I mean, seriously. Okay. Also from Haiti is the case of an 18-year-old girl who also fell ill from an unknown disease that caused a high fever, intense diarrhea, and swelling, and which killed her within a mere few days. Her family also suspected dark sorcery as the cause. The girl would turn up wandering the countryside 13 years later, and she claimed that she had been reanimated and taken as the slave of a bakar in a village a hundred miles to the north, only finally managing to escape when the dark sorcerer had died. She claimed that she had been slogged through the rugged wilderness on foot just to make her way home. Now, these sorts of zombie stories have been theorized to have their basis in anything from cases of severe amnesia or drug-induced hallucination to the use of powerful, potent neurotoxins to give the illusion of death to mental illness, brain damage, or even simple cases of mistaken identity. But nobody is really sure. There is a frightening number of cases of people who have woken up after being declared dead, being buried, while in their coffins, at their own funerals, or even as they are having an autopsy done on them. In one strange case, a two-year-old boy in Brazil died in 2012 of complications from bronchial pneumonia at Abelardo Santos Hospital in the northern Brazilian city of Belém. The toddler stopped breathing, lost his pulse, and was declared dead, after which the body was placed within an airtight body bag for three hours while funeral arrangements were being made. Later that day, an open casket wake was held for the boy, and it was at this time that the body was observed to move. A few moments later, the entire procession was overcome with shock as the dead boy suddenly sat up in his coffin and calmly asked his father for a glass of water. The entire family rejoiced at what was seen as a miracle, but their joy was short-lived as the boy took a drink, laid back in his coffin, and died again. The body was rushed back to the hospital where the boy was declared dead a second time. 
However, so certain was the family that he might revive again that they waited an hour before commencing with the funeral. He never did wake up again. But the boy's father, Antonio Santos, said of the moment when his son had risen from the grave, and I quote, Everybody started to scream. We couldn't believe our eyes. Then we thought a miracle had taken place and our boy had come back to life. Then Calvin just laid back down the way he was. We couldn't wake him and he was dead again. End quote. A strikingly similar case occurred in the Philippines in 2014 when a three-year-old girl tragically died after suffering an intense fever for several days. The girl was pronounced clinically dead and her body placed in a coffin for her funeral at a church in Aurora, Zambogana del Sur in the Philippines. During the proceedings, a family friend lifted the lid of the coffin to arrange the corpse and noticed that the girl's head moved slightly, after which she sat up and looked around. The girl was given a glass of water and taken to the hospital to be tended to before making a full recovery and going back to home with her, fa with her family. In 1915, there was a 30-year-old woman by the name of Essie Dunbar, who died after a major epileptic seizure and was put in a coffin for her funeral. The funeral was delayed for several days while her sister, who lived far away, made arrangements to attend, and the whole time Essie's corpse remained very dead and motionless in its coffin. On the day of the funeral, though, the sister arrived late, during the proceedings in fact. The coffin had already been closed, but the sister demanded that it be opened so that she could see her dead sibling one last time. When the lid was opened, the still corpse purportedly suddenly sat upright, and Essie Dunbar smiled at her stupefied sister. All of the funeral attendees were reportedly so upset and scared by what had happened that many of them fled in a panic, and Essie had to walk back to town on her own, where many regarded her as a zombie. Essie Dunbar would go on to live a very long life, in fact, finally dying permanently in 1962 at the ripe old age of 77. Interesting. In another case, a man woke from the dead after he had been placed in a metal box in the morgue. In 1993, one Sifo William Medetschi, and I know I butchered that, so don't, don't send me emails about it, of Johannesburg, South Africa, was involved in a car crash while driving with his fiancée, and it inflicted such grievous injuries that he was declared dead shortly thereafter. His body was put into a metal case at a mortuary while funeral arrangements were being made. Now, he stayed there for two days before he suddenly woke to find himself ensconced in the darkness. Not surprisingly, waking up in a metal box was a rather terrifying affair, and he promptly began screaming, which alerted workers to his presence. After being released from his horrifying ordeal, he returned to his fiancée, but she was apparently so convinced that he was a zombie that she would have nothing to do with him. So, he didn't lose his life, but he lost his fiancée. Anyways. In 2012, an elderly 95-year-old woman named Lee Sing Fang 
fell and hit her head at her home in Bailu, Ganghua Province, China. Family members who found her were unable to revive her and reported that she had stopped breathing and could not be woken up no matter what anybody did. The woman was considered dead and her body was placed in a coffin where it would remain for six days while awaiting a funeral. On the day before the funeral, family and friends were shocked when they entered the kitchen to find the dead woman calmly at work cooking dinner. She apparently later said, after waking up, I felt so hungry and wanted to cook something to eat. Unfortunately for her, she had been considered dead long enough that all of her belongings had been given away or disposed of. Perhaps even more horrifying than waking from the dead at one's funeral, or within a coffin, is coming back to life after being buried. Now I'm going to admit, this is one that freaks me out because I do not want to be buried alive. In 1937, a 19-year-old young man by the name of Angelo Hayes was in a horrible motorcycle crash in the village of St. Quentin de Chalet in France, during which he flew headfirst into a brick wall and was pronounced dead at the scene. He was subsequently buried, but when insurance inspectors exhumed the body a full three days later, Hayes was found to be still breathing, although in a coma-like state. The young man was eventually brought back to health and became quite the celebrity in France due to his amazing ordeal. Hayes apparently did not come out of the whole incident completely unscathed, though, as he was reportedly incredibly disturbed by the whole thing, to the point where he eventually designed a coffin equipped with a chemical toilet radio transmitter, and food locker so that no one would ever have to go through the same horrible experience. I'm just going to say, bury me alive. Do not bother to put a toilet, a transmitter, or a food locker. Give me a radio so I can call someone or a phone. That's what I want. Okay. Now, if coming back to life in the ground is bad enough, how about during your own autopsy? Okay, that one's going to freak me out too. In 2007, a 33-year-old Venezuelan man by the name of Carlos Camejo was pronounced dead after being in a terrible highway accident. He woke up sometime later in excruciating pain as doctors cut into his face with a scalpel to begin an autopsy. When Camejos jerked awake, doctors quickly went about stitching up the wound and probably going off to get a clean pair of pants because that would have scared the crap out of me too (laughs) but think about that oh my god they're cutting into you and you wake up oh my god that's yeah that's going to be a nightmare scenario for me now one man who just narrowly avoided a similar fate was a 77 year old walter williams of lexington mississippi in 2014 williams was declared dead by a coroner after no pulse or heartbeat were detected His body was zipped up into a body bag and was being prepared for embalmment when his feet suddenly began kicking and he was taken to the hospital. The coroner had no explanation for it and Holmes County Sheriff Willie March said, I asked the coroner what happened and the only thing he could say is, it's a miracle. The manager of the funeral home himself said of the baffling incident, 
I've never experienced anything like it. Well, I hope I never experienced that because that would freak me out. But another person who came back to life just in the nick of time, this time to avoid cremation, was a man in Liberia who had apparently died of Ebola. After being pronounced dead, the body was loaded up and brought to a crematorium to prevent the spread of the disease, where the man began to regain consciousness right as they were preparing to burn him down to ash. Oof, I'm just going to say, don't want that to happen to me. While some of these cases can probably be attributed to simply making a mistake when pronouncing a person dead, there at least one strange case when the person in question was unequivocally dead before waking again. In 2008, 59-year-old Val Thomas of Charleston, West Virginia, suffered a major heart attack, was taken to the hospital where she was hooked to, vi- to a ventilator and a machine that induces hypothermia. But considering that she had at this time already been without a heartbeat or a pulse for around 20 minutes, she was not expected to survive. Indeed, although a heartbeat was detected once again, the woman experienced two more heart attacks before going quiet. Nevertheless, Thomas was kept on the ventilator just in case, but she could not be revived. In fact, she would remain this way with no sign of detectable brain activity and even rigor mortis setting in before the plug was pulled. The family was actually in talks to begin the removal of her organs for donations when 10 minutes later, Thomas suddenly sat up and started talking as if nothing had happened. Her amazing recovery cannot be explained by doctors and is considered by her family to be a full-on miracle. In 1981, 19-year-old Jean Hilliard was involved in a late-night car accident in rural Minnesota. Her car skidded off the road and stalled, so she decided to walk to the home of a friend, Wally Nelson, who lived about two miles from this incident. It was Minnesota in January, so you can probably guess what happened next. Because according to the New York Times, Hilliard had almost made it to her destination, in fact, collapsing just 15 feet from her friend's door, where he found her at 7 o'clock the next morning, frozen, completely solid, just like a piece of meat out of a deep freeze. Her body was so stiff that she had to be placed diagonally into the back seat of the car that Nelson used to transport her to the hospital. Nelson thought for sure she was dead, and so did the doctors. According to the Montreal Gazette, when Hilliard arrived at the hospital, she was only breathing two or three times a minute and had a feeble heartbeat of just eight beats a minute. Doctors gave her a slim to non-existent chance of survival, but they wrapped her in a heating pad and slowly brought her body back up to a normal temperature. Surprisingly, the girl made a complete recovery, which seemed miraculous at the time, but Today, we know that extremely cold temperatures have a preservative effect on the human body, and cases like Hilliard's are actually somewhat common now. In the movies, though, when someone goes into cardiac arrest, heroic doctors come along with their crash cart, shout clear a couple of times, and then congratulate each other as the patient gasps and springs back to life. But in real life, 
resuscitation only works around 15% of the time. Doctors still, still try, though. After all, 15% chance beats the 0% chance the person would have if doctors just shrugged and gave up. Sometimes, in fact, doctors spend an agonizingly long time trying to revive someone, only to give up, and then learn minutes later that the corpse had, well, decided to revive itself. There's even a name for this. It's called the Lazarus Phenomena. And it's what brought Tony Yali back from the dead. That and a definitive order from his 17-year-old son. According to ABC News, Yali's medical team declared death after 45 minutes of recitation efforts. When Yali's son Lawrence heard the news, he ran into his father's room and declared, Dad, you're not going to die today. Minutes later, Yali's cardiologist noticed signs of life on the heart monitor. And six days later, Yali was well enough to go home. The Lazarus phenomena is described as a delayed return of spontaneous circulation after cessation of CPR. Say that five times fast. It doesn't happen often, but it's common enough that standard practice is to wait after 10 minutes after stopping CPR efforts before officially confirming someone's death. Interesting, right? But in 1994, an orthopedic surgeon by the name of Tony Sicoria was talking on a payphone when he was actually struck by lightning. He told a writer for The New Yorker that he recalled flying backwards and then forward, then looking down at his own body. Fortunately, or, well, unfortunately, which is what Sicoria thought at the time, there was a nurse on the scene who immediately started CPR. Just as he was reveling in what he called the most glorious feeling I have ever had, he ended up back in his body. And, of course, he told the Good Samaritan, It's okay, I'm a doctor. To which she smartly replied, Well, a few minutes ago, you weren't. But after his near-death experience, Sicoria underwent a transformation. Before his lightning strike, he'd never really been interested in music. But a few years later, he taught himself to play piano and was actually composing his own songs. He was so talented, in fact, that his performance at a music retreat reportedly prompted some listeners to wish that they could be struck by lightning, too. There are still plenty of people who will tell you that near-death experiences are just a trick of the dying brain, but Sicoria actually seems to have brought something back with him. Sure, you might be tempted to argue that the lightning strike changed his brain in some fundamental way, and that there's really nothing spiritual about it. But you know what? Nobody likes a cynic. Get over yourself. Anyways, religious people and orthopedic surgeons aren't the only ones who have spiritual transformations during near-death experiences. They can happen to anyone, from atheists to pioneering analytical psychologists. That's right, Carl Jung himself antagonist of Sigmund Freud, father of the whole introvert versus extrovert debate, once had a near-death experience during a heart attack. According to the Jungian Center, Jung described flying into outer space where he looked down at the earth and the subcontinent of India. 
He was floating near a temple, so he went inside, where he was stripped of the whole phantomagorial of earthly existence. Say that five times fast. I know. I, I messed it up, but you got it. One might assume that a psychologist would have something to say about the brain's role in an experience like the one Jung described, but he believed wholeheartedly in the visions he had had as being something external, outside of himself. They were, as he called it, not a product of imagination. The visions and experiences were utterly real. There was nothing subjective about them. They all had a quality of absolute objectivity, end quote. There will always be skeptics who think near-death experiences are in the heads of those who experience them, but Jung's story suggests that position is a lot harder to take after you've actually been through the other side. There's a famous proverb that says, nothing is certain but death and taxes, and it is a cold hard truth that we cannot avoid. Indeed, death comes for us all in the end, and we can only dodge it for so long as it relentlessly approaches, ever drawing closer, sometimes shambling and sometimes running at us at full speed. However, our physical death might not always be as final as it seems. In fact, it seems that in some cases, there are people who manage to dodge its clammy lunge at them when it finally catches up. Of course, death really never stops. And even in these remarkable cases, it will no doubt gather itself up to start plodding along after them once again. After all, death is the ultimate stalker. And although it seems to be cheated from time to time, I'm sorry, but it never truly forgets. And with that, my darlings, we've come to the end of the episode. I thank you for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio today, and I hope you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think of today's story. You can always reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And you know what? If you have a suggestion for a future show, you just want to tell me what you think, you're bored and you need somebody to talk to, drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. And on that note, well, that's all the time I have for you this evening. And I thank you for joining me here on Renegade. But don't forget to tune in next time, my darlings, because we'll have another great story for you next week. See you, my heathens. I love you. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.